The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. This is a very, very sad time with what happened in Orlando. It's a sad time. And we are thinking of all of our friends and our friends in the LGBT community and the families of the victims that perished. And just so you know, we in the disability community are there with you. We support you, and we're behind you. So I hope that we've, one of the things we've learned from this is that hatred never works. So once again, uh, my heart goes out to you. We're thinking about you, um, and we stand with you. And it's so amazing that I'm talking about something that involved, of course, religion, and the ongoing controversy about the Muslim faith in the United States. Ironic that just right now, our guest would be a man that has spent his life working to help people interface, not just in one area, and has really dedicated his life to do this. He is just such a wonderful person, and it is so wonderful to have Curtis Ramsey Lucas, the Director of Interfaith Engagement for AAPD, with us today. Welcome to the show, Curtis. Thank you, Joyce. It's a pleasure to uh, be with you today, and uh, thank you for the opportunity to join you. Uh, Well, you know what? For our friends across the United States in the disability community, how about if we begin by you telling our listeners how you came to be involved in the disability community? Sure. Um, I became involved uh, in the disability community um, through the experience of my son, who has a learning disability. And uh, my first experience with disability rights uh, was as an advocate for the uh, services and supports that he needed to learn and grow to his full potential. And uh, through the experience of uh, struggling to gain an understanding of his disability and uh, also of celebrating his accomplishments and watching him grow in understanding and ability, um, I came to understand what was possible for him when reasonable accommodations were in place, and by extension, uh, what is possible for people with disabilities in a variety of settings, uh, be it school or work or places of worship, uh, when properly accommodated, included, and welcomed. Um, So that's my personal connection. And then um, the work of of IDAC, my initial uh, involvement in the interfaith, uh, Disability Advocacy <laughs> Coalition uh, at AAPD was uh, through the invitation of Jenny Thornburg, who had uh, uh, for so many years done this work at AAPD, um, inviting me to be a part of that uh, coalition and uh, and the leadership of that group. Uh, and we'll talk about her more lady, but later. But what a great person! She is. She is just so awesome. Um, I want to ask you about AAPD, but first, Curtis, before that, what did you do for the American uh, Baptist Home Mission Societies? Well, actually, uh, I continued to to work with ABHMS um, as well as with AAPD. 
Um, and um, <clears throat> the Home Mission Societies um, works throughout the United States and Puerto Rico on initiatives that focus on leadership, uh, discipleship, and healing communities. And uh, my work for ABHMS is in Washington, D.C., uh, representing the public policy concerns of the organization on a broad range of issues. And uh, I also serve as editor of the Christian Citizen magazine, which is a publication that focuses on issues of concern for, for people of faith, um, including uh, children in poverty, child poverty in, in the United States, um, housing and homelessness, hunger, um, education, health care access, um, mental health, uh, just to name a few of the areas that we've covered in that publication. Wow. Well, now here you are, as you said, at AAPD, the American Association of People with Disabilities, that I am so honored to be on the board of. And as my listeners know, prior to that, I was the chair of the board. Uh, But, Curtis, tell our listeners exactly what you do at AAPD. Okay. Well, AAPD, as you know, is a convener, a connector, and a catalyst for change, increasing the political and economic power of people with disabilities. Uh, My role is to direct the interfaith initiative at AAPD, which supports people with disabilities and their families as they seek spiritual and religious access in their communities of faith and uh, to bring the uh, powerful and prophetic voice of the faith community to the 21st century disability rights agenda. So uh, my role is really um, like AAPD to be a, to be a convener and a connector, uh, to bring the faith community together around um, disability concerns and uh, hopefully through that to be a catalyst for, for positive change for people of faith within um, people of faith with disabilities within uh, their communities of faith as well as within our society more broadly. Well, and we need a lot of help in that area because, as you know, many people with disabilities can't even get into their mosque or temple or uh, church to serve because it's not accessible. Or when they do get in, if they have a significant hearing disability or are deaf, do often not have an interpreter. So, you know, we have a long way to go in that area. Uh, But I love this group, IDAC, the Interfaith Disability Advocacy Coalition. What is that, Curtis? What is IDAC? Well, IDAC is a program of AAPD. Um, It's a broad, diverse, nonpartisan coalition of national uh, religious and religiously affiliated organizations from the Christian Uh, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, and Sikh traditions um, whose core spiritual traditions affirm the rights and dignity of people with disabilities. Um, IDAC mobilizes the religious community to take action on disability policy with Congress, uh, the President and Administration, and society at large. Um, So we try to come together around um, these issues of concern, both uh, in terms of uh, advocating in Washington, and um, we also try to learn from one another what uh, the various organizations are doing, uh, as you say, to improve um, access uh, and inclusion within within their uh, constituent congregations. Because as you say, um, there are many places where uh, that access is limited, um, you know, just to get into the building, but even so, once in the building, to really be welcomed and included in the full range of the life of a congregation from uh, worship to education to celebration um, and to service opportunities. Um, We really do have, I think, a long way uh, to go in some instances to to be uh, as fully inclusive as we ought to be. Right. Um, Well... We have a listener here, and the question is, Curtis, what has been your biggest obstacle in trying to move your 
Interfaith Disability Advocacy Forward. And that is Terry from Houston. Well, I think um, as with any coalition, uh, there are um, more active and engaged members than others. Um, and we all are, are stretched thin, I think, in terms of um, the things that we're concerned about and uh, the things that we want to affect positive change with. So um, I think a challenge has been, uh, you know, bringing, bringing the coalition members together and, um, you know, and, and moving forward on, a, on an agenda that, um, that uh, expands access and opportunity for people with disabilities. That's not to say we haven't been effective, but, um, but it is a challenge, I think, with, with the broad range of concerns that, um, that religious organizations are dealing with uh, and the resources that they have to, to address those concerns. Okay, well, hold on for one moment here because I think we're getting ready to get a break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Curtis Ramsey Lucas, the Director of Interfaith Engagement for the American Association of People with Disabilities. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Curtis Ramsey Lucas, the head of Interfaith Engagement for the American Association of People with Disabilities. And as you can see, AAPD really does a lot of great things. You know, this Catalyst, Connector, Convener, they are all about the disability community having quality of life and being included. They're in D.C. They go to the Hill. They fight for us. Such a great organization. But to do what they're doing, they also need funds. So make a contribution. Go to aapd.com. You will see the donate button and make a contribution today to aapd.com, and also a special thanks to Covestro and Highmark Blue Cross Blue Shield for being sponsors of this radio show, two great companies that hire people with disabilities. So, you know, here I am, uh, Curtis, talking about uh, policies and working on the Hill uh, the, uh, with Congress 
uh, and or the Senate, uh, what types of policies do you try to advance forward? Well, uh, one of the things that we're currently doing that we're uh, excited about, it's not directly related to public policy, uh, but it does have a connection. Um, we're currently uh, coordinating a sign-on letter for people of faith encouraging candidates for public office to address disability concerns. Um, the letter currently has over 200 signatures, including uh, 40 religious organizations, uh, many of them IDAC members. And um, it notes that Americans with disabilities, as you're well aware, I know, uh, continue to face uh, unemployment and poverty rates twice the national average and discrimination in many areas, including employment, transportation, and education. Um, the letter encourages candidates to address these disparities and to set forth a vision to encourage the civil rights of people with disabilities. We're encouraging candidates to support policies that create jobs, increase access to affordable housing and transportation, and remove barriers to education still facing Americans with disabilities. And we're calling for a continuation of reforms passed into law as part of the Affordable Care Act that help people with disabilities lead healthy lives and increase their access to long-term services and supports. Um, those are the kind of policies we're supporting uh, going into the election, uh, and they're the kind of policies we'll be working on uh, advancing following the election. Right. That is really just right on target. I do have to ask you a question here. Um, as I said at the beginning, there is just so much sadness in the United States, in the world, with that uh, largest mass shooting ever uh, in Orlando, Florida, at a gay club with 49 victims. I wanted to ask you, I know a lot is getting brought up about different religious faiths, but don't you find that you work very well with all different faiths, uh, Curtis at AAPD? Sure. Um, AAPD, yes, has been a broad uh, coalition you know, of um, organizations from diverse religious traditions, and um, we have found a way uh, to work together, uh, focusing on the things that, uh, that unite us. And, um, and in all of the traditions that uh, are represented around the IDAC table, whether it's uh, Christian, Muslim, Jew, um, Sikh, Hindu, there is, uh, I think, in all those traditions, an understanding of, of hospitality and of welcome, and, uh, and that's something that brings us together around that table, um, wanting our <clears throat> faith communities uh, to reflect that in a, in a true and deep way, uh, being places of welcome for all people. And um, so it has worked well. We have found ways to, to, uh, to work together and, and to find common ground in the work uh, that we're about in terms of uh, improving access and inclusion for people with disabilities. <clears throat> Which brings me to Jenny Thornburg, one of my favorite people in the world. She is just so awesome, so wonderful. Uh, so, Curtis, you worked with her. Tell me uh, how she influenced you. Well, in so many ways, uh, Jenny has been just such an um, inspiration to me, um, she has a person of such deep passion and, and commitment, um, dedication, and, and perseverance. Um, her work um, initially as an advocate um, for her son Peter uh, and then as an advocate for people with disabilities in, in Pennsylvania and then nationally and internationally. Um, I think I've learned from Ginny... Uh, to look for those places, uh, those opportunities that present themselves and to take the fullest advantage of them uh, in terms of being an advocate for others. And, uh, and just her uh, incredible energy that she brings uh, to her work, um, she really is a, a force of nature and, 
and uh, and a source of great encouragement uh, to others in terms of uh, in terms of the passion that she brings to uh, disability advocacy. Oh, she is awesome. Jenny Thornburg came up with the first. I don't know if they called it a prayer or blessing that was read at the signing of the AAPD. And, of course, her husband, Dick, who is still living, was the governor of Pennsylvania. However, he was the attorney general when the ADA was signed, so therefore he was the enforcer. And just as Curtis said, having a child with a disability, I mean, they really get it, but they always did. Uh, always out there fighting the fight, uh, even with CRPD. Governor Thornburg was out there testifying uh, in behalf of CRPD. They both are just fabulous people, but I know that Jenny was just so dedicated to this, and I just wanted her to know how you felt. Sure. Yeah, she, um, I uh, talked with her about that when we were preparing for the uh, 25th anniversary of the ADA. And uh, one of the things that IDAC did, um, which of course was last July, we're coming up on the 26th anniversary, but we uh, coordinated a uh, interfaith prayer service in Washington, D.C., uh, celebrating what we called the, um, the, the progress and promise of the ADA. And uh, one of the things that we did in that service, we actually closed, I believe we closed the service with the, with the blessing that was read um, or delivered by uh, the Reverend Harold Wilkie at the uh, signing ceremony. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, Reverend Wilkie had been a longtime um, disability advocate himself, a person with a disability, um, and a UCC minister. But... I'm really struck, and I've gone back and read that prayer several times. I'm really struck by uh, his words in it where he said, um, strengthen our resolve as we take up the task, knowing our work has just begun. Um, I think that's pretty remarkable and in some ways very prophetic. That he Boy, said, I'll say, how, how, <laughs> how, you know, how accurate um, you know, was that? I, I, as joyous an occasion as that was, he knew it wasn't the end. It was really the beginning of something, and um, and we have to stay at that task of, of working uh, within communities of faith and I think within our society as a whole of really uh, improving access for people with disabilities. Right. Uh, I mean, I just think that was so awesome. Uh, and I love her. I love her and her husband. But, yeah, that, that was very powerful. So we've talked about there's various places, of course, of worship, synagogues, temples, mosques. Um, what can they do to be more welcoming to the disability community, Curtis? Well, I like to uh, – there's sort of four areas that I, that I think about um, – First, I, I would encourage any congregation uh, to begin um, where they are and to work incrementally. Um, you know, we talked a little bit earlier about um, many congregations, it's difficult to simply get into the building, or once you're in the building, uh, the accessibility is not what, what we would like it to be. Um, and I think it can become... Um, daunting when we look at a, at a big list of things to do. Um, and so I think we need to start where we are um, and, and begin to, to break that down and, and to say, what are, what are some initial steps that we can take? Um, you know, approach things incrementally. It's more um, uh, possible to move forward in that way. And I think we start not by saying, you know what is uh, not by not by thinking in terms of a a special ministry that that we need to begin or uh, that's kind of tacked on to what we're already doing, but rather uh, begin by talking with individuals and families about what they need and want, uh, and taking a good look at what the congregation already offers, and then again, um, and even even considering uh, those who've stopped attending, uh, you know. What are the reasons for that? Talk with those individuals. Find out if there are changes that can be made that 
make this space and uh, the opportunities of a congregation more accessible. I think also we need we need to um, think beyond architecture. We need to cultivate an accessible attitude uh, within a congregation, um, one that welcomes individuals with disabilities and their families. And I think sometimes that means uh, challenging attitudes and changing attitudes. So cultivating an accessible attitude. Um, we need to be about fostering connections. Um, a congregation is a microcosm of the community, and it can be an important uh, place of connection uh, for persons with disabilities um, seeking employment opportunities. We have uh, within our uh, congregations are persons in the community who own businesses or make hiring decisions, um, and they may not be aware that uh, the unemployment figures are as high as they are for individuals with disabilities. So what are some ways that a congregation could help um, bridge uh, the needs of individuals with disabilities seeking employment and employers? Um, that's one place. And then I think we need to educate and, and advocate and, and go beyond the immediate setting of a congregation um, to uh, advocate for um, services and supports and, and changes that are needed more broadly in our society. And that's where uh, I think an organization like AAPD comes in um, and uh, the work that IDAC can be helpful to, to uh, local communities of faith. You know what? And tell me what you think about this. Jenny Thornburg told me once, start small. You know what you said at the beginning, Curtis, that don't be thinking, oh, my God, how will we do this? It's so huge. Uh, start small. And one thing I did is I had people from the church come out to my office and just meet people with disabilities. And, you know, then I talked to them about sign language, but Jenny told me, come up with some idea to make it happen. So I just kept, when I would tithe, I just kept putting on there for sign language interpreters. Until I had done this so long, we had to have sign language interpreters. But, you know, now we have a minister that he is just so awesome and really on top of all of this. But sometimes you do have to start small. Like, as Jenny said, you have a person with a disability, tell them to be uh, an usher. And, and I know what else I wanted to ask you. Is there some logo that churches or temples or mosques use uh, that people know they're accessible? Is there some logo? I'm not aware of a logo, but um, something to look into. Um, I was going to say there are any number of resources uh, for congregations that want to to move forward in this way. Um, uh, certainly, we have, uh, through AAPD, we have the um, booklet that all may worship, which Ginny was um, uh, responsible for producing uh, and which has been updated over time. But um, And that has some great, you know, kind of um, how-tos in it for a congregation. Um, and there are a number of um, other resources available um, you know, for a congregation that wants to, to look at um, doing an assessment, you know, how accessible are we? Um, the Congregational Accessibility Network offers uh, some of those resources for congregations, and there are other places. Um, but that's a good question. I don't know the answer to that, but uh, something to look into and to consider um, developing if it doesn't already exist. Yeah, wouldn't that be great, you know, that you could have on your material, everything you send out that, you know, you have made, uh, you know, accessible, like interpreters or, uh, you know, uh, captioning and, uh, of course, able to get into the building, you know, all these types of things. Right. Uh, that, uh, and as you said, welcoming. This is what I told them, one key, Welcoming communicating, welcoming. But anyway, with that, hey, we're going to go to break. If you just joined us, we're talking to Curtis Ramsey Lucas, Director of Interfaith Engagement for the American Association of People with Disabilities. Don't go away. We'll be right back 
with Curtis. News. Opinion. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grunberg from the TV show Heroes. One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than 3 million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Since 1985... Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at one 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Curtis Ramsey Lucas, the Director of Interfaith Engagement for the American Association of People with Disabilities. AAPD.com is how you can reach Curtis and find out more information. Well, Curtis, my next question is just sadly right on what's happening today. Um, I know I've been excited that you have worked on mental health and gun violence, but I have to tell you, because of the shooting, such as the horrible recent shooting, you know, the stigma is really terrible for people with you know, mental health. Like many people do not want to even talk about it. Um, and I'm sure that these horrible shootings have impacted that stigma. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think that's, that's definitely the case. Um, anytime there's a, a, a mass shooting like we've seen um, in Orlando or um, any number of of these shootings, there's often, um, you know, an argument made about the connection um, between mental illness and violence. I think we make that um, argument rather casually and sometimes not very carefully, and um, and I do think that contributes to to the stigma surrounding mental illness. Um, as we know. Um, Persons with disabilities and um, persons with mental health conditions are um, far more often um, um, impacted by violence than they are the perpetrators of it. And so I think it's uh, important that we take care uh, with how we talk about these um, horrific acts and um, that we... uh, you know, really try to understand what's going on um, and get a better handle on on um, mental health and and mental illness. Um, this is an area that um, that that IDAC um, did engage following the the shootings at um, Sandy Hook Elementary School in December of 2012. Um, the the issue of gun Violence or gun control is not something that we um, were able to take on, given the diversity of the coalition and the lack of agreement there. But 
we did want to respond in a way that would help uh, faith leaders begin to think through uh, these concerns, and we uh, pulled together a, a small group of um, the IDAC membership to prepare a resource that AAPD published in the uh, spring of 2013, which we called Grounded in Faith, uh, Resources on Mental Health and Gun Violence. And it really was an attempt to bring together um, the best uh, thinking that we could find and really to dispel um, some of these myths around the connection uh, between mental uh, health conditions and violence and um, just try to provide a resource for, for people of faith um, to, you know, begin to think through um, what is a very uh, difficult subject. Um, as we know, many um, individuals uh, experience a mental health condition, as many as one in five Americans uh, experience a mental health condition uh, annually, ranging in severity from temporary psychological distress to serious depression, uh, schizophrenia, and bipolar disorder, yet less than one-third of um, these persons receives appropriate care, um, often because of the stigma associated with the conditions and, uh, and their treatments. And uh, one of the things I think we need to think through uh, within the faith community is how do we, um, you know, how can we bridge that gap? How can we talk about mental health and mental illness within the faith community in a way that um, destigmatizes uh, the conditions and encourages um, individuals to to get the help that they need. Well, I'm going to take a guess here. When you did this study, uh, mental health and gun violence, I'm going to guess that people with mental health issues hurt themselves more than others. Is that true? That's exactly right. Um, that is the place where um, we do find a connection. Um, far and away the most common form of violence attributable to mental health conditions is violence against oneself or suicide. Um, and the figures that we found in the, in the preparation of that report um, indicate that of the approximately 38,000 suicides each year, um, 90% involve mental illness. And so when we talk about um, uh, gun violence, I, I think there we do need to think through um, mental illness because when we bring suicide into the picture of gun violence, mental illness is um, legitimately a strong vector of concern and it should be an important component of effective policy to reduce firearms, uh, reduce, you know, prevent firearm violence. Um, suicides account for over 60% of all firearm fatalities in the United States. Um, we have, um, so that's a, a place that I think if we could uh, strengthen suicide prevention um, and some other uh, things that we could do in that area, we would see, you know, a reduction in, in, in deaths attributable to guns. Yeah, you know, when I heard, for example, when I heard Ted Kennedy speak about the number of veterans that commit suicide a day, mm -hmm. I, I thought he was wrong. I thought it can't possibly be that high. At 20, 22 or 26, I can't remember the exact number, um, but he was correct. And I thought, wow. Once again, here are people thinking, like someone with post-traumatic stress disorder or depression that, are, of course, are disabilities. What are they going to do to others? And the question is, more often, what are they going to do to themselves? But exactly. what this is causing is, as you know, I work in employment, and people are absolutely terrified of disclosing they have a mental health issue. Right. Exactly. As a matter of fact, they don't even want to apply here for a great job because of their fear of how they'll be treated or seen. I mean, it's really terrible because right. they know that if the person knows that, 
you know, there is, as I said, this stigma. There's this terrible uh, stigma. Um, and I know you worked on this. Do you do anything with this now, uh, this mental health and gun violence? Are you still working on that? Well, we um, one of the outcomes of the report was um, we uh, participated. I was uh, part of the White House Conference on Mental Health uh, that took place in uh, June of 2013, um, and we became uh, involved then in a partnership and a project with uh, the American Psychiatric Association, um, and that effort was uh, to bring together faith leaders and um, psychiatrists to talk about um, ways of, of bridging the divide there between those two disciplines and of um, trying to find more effective ways of collaborating, um, educating uh, faith leaders about mental health conditions, um, and also psychiatrists about the role of faith and faith communities in mental health recovery. And uh, that uh, project actually resulted in um, a publication by the APA of a um, booklet on mental health, a guide for faith leaders, and uh, there's also a companion quick reference guide uh, that, that goes along with that, and that's available um, from uh, the American Psychiatric Association. You can download it from their website. You can also order uh, print copies of that. But it's, a, I think, an effective resource to um, begin to help clergy uh, better understand mental health conditions, um, as well as when they need to refer someone uh, for um, for treatment. And um, I think what's critical here is that in a lot of ways, um, clergy and other faith leaders are, are first responders in their communities. Um, and studies have shown that um, people are more comfortable going first to a to a pastor or a clergy person uh, to disclose a condition or to um, talk about a concern they're having, and yet um, many clergy are not well equipped uh, to respond. So um, this is a, the resources that are available through APA, and there are a number of other organizations, um, faith-based organizations, uh, that have been working in this area and provide I think some really excellent um, resources for clergy to to begin to get a handle on on mental health and mental illness. Hey, before we get a break, what is the name of the publication that you said uh, Jenny Thornburg put together? Uh, that's uh, called "That All May Worship." Okay, and churches or synagogues or mosques, if people there want this, are they able to get that? Yes, that's also uh, available uh, on the a- AAPD website at aapd.com. If you go to the Interfaith page, um, it's available there as a, a PDF, and it's an okay. interfaith resource. Yep. I would suggest everyone do that. Um, I mean, especially for your church, synagogue, mosque, whatever, that would be great to you know help people uh, move forward and make the church more inclusive for people with disabilities. But right now we're going to go to break before we close the show. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Voice counts. Call toll free 1 866 472 5787. 1 866 472 5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Hi, I'm Greg Grumberg from the TV show Heroes. 
One of my personal heroes is my son, who, like more than three million Americans, has epilepsy. When someone with epilepsy is having a seizure, their brain is temporarily producing more electricity than their body can handle. They can shake or stare or fall down. They can also even briefly lose consciousness. If you see someone having a seizure, please make sure they're comfortable and safe. And within a few minutes or less, the electrical overload will stop and they will be okay. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org. Thank you. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. If you have a question or comment, call in toll free at 1 866 472 5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. Hey, folks, I hope you enjoyed the show today. We've had as our guest Curtis Ramsey Lucas from AAPD, AAPD.com. So, you know, Curtis, people listening to the show right now as we're talking about uh, inclusion for people with disabilities in their faith, uh, what, what can we do to help? What can listeners do to help? Well, I think that um, listeners can, in terms of their own traditions, um, in your local congregation, look to see what the national office or um, association that your congregation is a part of. Look to see what they offer in terms of resources that can help move your congregation forward. And again, as we've talked uh, a little bit today, there are a variety of uh, how-tos and and other things of that kind uh, beyond what uh, denominations and and national religious organizations may offer. So I think there's a lot of um, help out there uh, and, and good ideas for how we can uh, make our communities of faith more open and accessible and inclusive of um, individuals with disabilities. Yeah, and you can talk about it. You can talk to your rabbi, you know, or to talk to whomever is leading your place of worship and tell them, talk to them about this. That's what I'm doing because, you know, if we sit there and we never say anything, we're not going to get anywhere. So, you know, you have to stand up. You have to talk about it. And, um, well, I tell my church, if you want the deaf community here, we need sign language. Because why would you go to church if you can't understand anything? And you know what? That, get, that, that news gets out. It really does. People tell people, oh, at this church, you know, they have uh, sign language interpreters or, you know, wherever your place of worship is, it will make a difference. It really will. Because remember, there are people that go to your place of worship that have relatives who are deaf you know, or friends who are deaf. And that's just one disability I'm using as an example. But you've got to speak up or there won't be any change. So, Curtis, wow, when I was looking at your background, I'm thinking he's already done so much in his life, but what would you consider your greatest accomplishment? Well, I think I'm proud of the work that we've done um, in the faith and mental health um, sphere uh, the work that we've done with APA um, and others, and uh, the work that we've done to highlight um, existing resources and networks um, that um, some of whom are a part of IDAC, um, like uh, Interfaith Network on Mental Illness. Um, but there's just a great um, a deal of resources out there for congregations and communities of faith that want to be... Um, either strengthening a mental health ministry or starting a mental health ministry. I think that's a real urgent need in our communities. And um, so I'm proud of the work that we've done uh, 
through IDAC and through AAPD to uh, to move that conversation forward. Yeah, and, you know, I'm excited you've done that also. We talked about um, uh, so that all may worship. What about this? If someone's interested in more information about gun violence and mental health issues, do you have publications or articles you wrote about that? Like how could people get more information on that? Again, if you go to the AAPD website, aapd.com, the interfaith page, you'll find a link there. Um, Well, there's a PDF there for um, uh, Grounded in Faith, which is the uh, publication resources on uh, mental health and gun violence, um, and that's a good start. I've done some other writing about that as well, Um, and the American Baptist Home Mission Societies, we published an issue on mental health uh, in 2014, so that's also available uh, from the ABHMS website. But um, I would encourage folks to take a look at um, aapd.com and the resources that are available there. Another um, resource from AAPD that's very useful is the Disability Download, which is a monthly um, e-newsletter that comes out with great links to... um, things that AAPD is involved with, as well as um, others in the disability community. So I would encourage uh, listeners to uh, sign up for that e-newsletter and, um, you know, follow, follow up with uh, the various resources that are highlighted there. Well, that's good. And make sure, again, everyone, www.aapd.com. So, Curtis, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Well, I think, uh, you know, as we think about um, congregations, uh, communities of faith, and, uh, and what we want to see in terms of access and inclusion for people with disabilities, I think that we can um, fall into something of a trap of, um, of thinking we're doing this for someone and what we really need to be thinking about is in what ways are our faith communities incomplete if they uh, do not fully welcome and include people with disabilities uh, and the gifts and the talents and uh, the ideas that those individuals will bring uh, to the faith community. I think, uh, you know, in the Christian tradition we talk about uh, the church um, we talk about the body of Christ, and uh, I think that body is not full and complete if it doesn't include um, individuals with disabilities in its midst. So I think that's, that's the message I would leave, is to say, um, let's think uh, a little more broadly, and let's uh, try to move from access to inclusion uh, within the life of our faith communities for people with disabilities. Amen to that. So, Curtis, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We really enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you. It's been my uh, pleasure. And we end every show with a quote, and who else would it be today than Jenny Thornburg, who said, it's more than just a ramp. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you all next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.